You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Okay, this morning, um, I trust God has a message for you, for his house, for his children, for his church. And um, I want us to just go to the Lord in prayer and ask him that he would have his way. Lord, speak to us this morning. We have come, O oh Lord, to worship you. We have come with our songs of praise. We have come with our heart of worship. We have come to you, our maker. We have come to you, our God. You are worthy of our worship. You are deserving of our devotion. Everything that we are is of you. Everything that we have, you have given to us. The life, the breath that we are breathing is of you. You designed us, O Lord. In the volume of your book, it is written the days concerning us. Let us be wise today. Let us locate ourselves in the center of your will. Let us hear and let us know what you would have us do. Lord, we know that it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. We thank you for every good thing. Thank you for everything that your children are looking to you for before they had the need. It was your desire to bless them with. And let it be that your children will be blessed indeed in your presence today. Nothing, O Lord Father, will be withheld from these, your sons and daughters. Thank you, Lord Father, for meeting them, provision, healing, deliverance, guidance, comfort, strength, O Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, this morning... um, we want to continue with our meditation. It's going to flow from Wednesday a bit. And I know that sometime early in the year we had said that there is a process that we would find ourselves going through, maybe not consciously, you know, but I think we will keep finding ourselves in that journey. We said we believe God. We said we, from believing God we get on to know God, right? The first point of contact is that we believe God, okay? And when we believe, we begin to know. As we begin to know, we get into love. As we get into love, you know, begin to love. As we know him, we love him. And then as we begin to love him, we'll find that we begin to enjoy him. And it's that enjoyment that takes us to where we serve him, we obey him. And then that's what takes us to what is our desire that we are blessed in him praise the lord so on wednesday i believe we began to talk a bit about loving god and you know loving one another and this morning we are going to mix it up a bit because we're going to be looking at loving god enjoying god and just before i read anything from the scripture from my paper to you I want to tell you something that I believe you already know. Your life, you are as blessed or as nobody here is cursed. But you are as blessed 
or not blessed to the extent of what you have been enjoying. Praise God. Did you hear me? What did I say? You are as blessed or not blessed to the extent of what you enjoy. Okay? The psalmist said in Psalm 122 verse 1, he said, I was glad when they said to me, what? Let us go into the house of the Lord. Is it a wonder that this same psalmist, the Lord said to him, I will make you a sure house. Praise the Lord. David said, I was glad. I was excited when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Okay? And then God now, you know, says of this David, I will make you a sure house. So what David was glad about brought about what made David glad. Are you with me this morning? What you enjoy determines what you, I don't know if I say what you get, what you acquire, your direction. Let me put it another way. You know, I wrote this one down. He said, God will not force or drag anybody into heaven. We talked about uh, Enoch the other day. You know, we are, we're in a season, I mean, social media makes it so fearful because you see somebody today and he's alive and well and so fully active. And then tomorrow you see the person and you think picture, you think he's saying something else. And then just here he died. You know? And if anybody wants to be responsible, then the greatest service you can give to anybody is to help the person make sure that if, God forbid, anything happens and he's not here tomorrow, let him be in heaven. Because that way he won't be missing anything. Praise the Lord. God said to tell you that he will not drag anybody to heaven. He will not force anybody. So while you are alive, if you don't love him, if you don't enjoy him, when you're weak and, you know, passed out, he will not drag you so that you wake up in heaven and say, who brought me here? It has to be a consuming desire. While you're here at this moment, when you woke up this morning, It had to be a consuming desire that I want to be with God. If that desire consumes you, you can be sure that whatever happens in this world, God, your heavenly father, will bring you to be with him. Praise the Lord. Okay. That is part of our intro. Okay. Now, let me give us another part of our intro. Technically, because I'm a Nigerian, okay? And um, in Nigeria, will I fall into no class or middle class or the masses? Or am I those ones that don't even know how much fuel is sold? Praise the Lord. Okay. Technically, I believe our meditation for the few past days are survival strategies. It may not look like it if you don't have understanding. But understand that as survival strategies. For instance, we learned last Sunday that you are only permitted to be desperate for what? 
for the Holy Spirit, for the presence of God. You know why? Because there are so many things competing. There are so many things that qualify to be desperate about. There are so many things. But the strategy the Lord is giving to us is what? To be unconcerned, be anxious for nothing else. Right? Every other thing, we just drop it before the Lord in prayer. And focus our mind on what? Having his presence, his Holy Spirit. Okay? And we take that from what we found with King David. He was a king. He had everything to lose. But what was his cry to the Lord? He said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. He ev- so many things were at stake. Saul, his you know, uh, his predecessor, when he was in a similar situation, said to Samuel, he said, please honor me. David had his own at stake. He had his kingship at stake. He had so many things at stake. He didn't say, Lord, give me my honor. He didn't say, Lord, keep me in the palace. Remember, we read the scripture where he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my Lord than dwell in the tents of wickedness. So David said, I am desperate in this my situation. One thing that you must not please, Lord, take from me is your Holy Spirit. And I pray that is your desire as well in the name of Jesus. It's a survival strategy. Because everywhere the Holy Spirit is, there is hope. Everywhere the Holy Spirit is, there is life. No matter how much you bury somebody who carries the Holy Spirit, there is resurrection. Somebody say amen. There is no problem a man carries. And he's carrying the Holy Spirit as well. That they can say he's finished. Praise the Lord. If they couldn't take the Holy Spirit from you, they cannot take glory from you. Okay? The only thing also that we are assured as believers is the Holy Spirit. That's the guarantee given to us. So when we looked at Luke eleven thirteen last Sunday as well, where it says, Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. And it says, If we earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more shall our heavenly father and 13 says how much more shall our heavenly father give the holy spirit now look at that same verse that same encounter in matthew 7 7 to 11 short 7 then we'll go to 11 so we all know it's the same thing 7 says ask and it will be given seek you will find nor can it be open to you it goes on and on if you earthly fathers being evil know how to do this now look at 11 what does it say he says, how much more will your father who is in heaven give what? Good things to those who ask him. So what does God call the summary of good things he has promised to give you? The Holy Spirit. So he's the assured thing. So tomorrow, don't say God did not answer me because he didn't give me bread. If he gave you the Holy Spirit, he has given you something more than bread. Praise the Lord, somebody. Also, why is a survival strategy? Is that the truth is, it's the only good thing that there is. Praise God. It's the only good thing that there is. In Acts chapter 1, you know, after the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, you can imagine the ecstasy, the excitement, the joy that was in the heart of the disciples. Remember James and John that said, in your kingdom, 
This is the position we want to occupy. So, inauguration had come. Jesus, they've killed you. You have risen from the dead. You have become victorious. They went to him from verse 6. They says, Master, is, is it now that we establish the government? Isn't it what they ask? Look at the scripture. They said what? Lord, will you what? Yes, is this the time that the, our government will take over? This is what Jesus said to them. 7 and 8. He said it's not for you to know those times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But what will happen? He said you shall what? Now I have risen. Now I have won the victory. Now that all authority has been given to me. What am I going to give to you? He says I will give you power when the Holy Spirit word has come upon you. So what am I saying? The good thing that we have now whether you have the kingdom in the sense of the occupation or the position you desire what god has said i've given to you now is what the holy spirit and somebody say thank god i have the holy spirit praise the lord these are survivor keys because as you hold on to it every other thing will be falling into place may the lord help us in the name of jesus christ Come with me to John chapter 4. We look at a text that we are very familiar with. It's the account of the um, encounter the Samaritan woman had with our Lord Jesus. And I'll read from verse 1, and we'll just take it one at a time, one at a time, until we get to our main discourse for this morning. I'd like you to read with me. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied, from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us a well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst but the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband, in that she spoke truly. The man said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Hallelujah. 
our fathers worshipped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you'll need on this mountain or in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. 23. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The old man said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came and marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went away into the city and said to the men, come. See a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, master, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? 34 and the last one. Jesus said to them, let's read together. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. May the Lord breathe on his word and speak life to us in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, what we have in this text, there are so many things that we need to just, so interesting that we touch on for, you know, our edification the first thing I want us to pick here as we go on is that from verse 1 to 3 tells us something interesting. If you please could give us that in the message translation. We see something here and it helps us in this season that we are talking about love. It says Jesus realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John performed. Although his disciples, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing, they had posted the score that Jesus was ahead turning him and John into rivals in the eyes of the people. So what did Jesus do? Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back. Now, the first thing, you know, we just have to pick from here is that as we learn love, one of the things that the Bible says about love is that love does not seek its own. Anytime you see a man, you see a person, Saying, I, 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 I. Love is not there. Love does not belong to the pepper them gang. Love peppers nobody. Ordinarily, it should have been that John the Baptist was winning the competition according to those who were counted. And then Jesus would do what? Will out of shame turn away. But they were saying that Jesus was counting more. And then what did he do? He turned away. That is love. No love is that where he is winning, he will rub it in. He will become the cosmopolitan general overseer of the environment. And then every other person will come and acknowledge him as Lord. But the moment he knew that they were comparing, he withdrew. Praise the Lord. 
in our marriages, in our homes, in our offices, everywhere we find ourselves in, may this be the spirit with which we operate in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Okay. Four to six. Very important key to where we're going. Four to six says he was, uh, he came to this city of Samaria, which was there. Verse six in particular says, Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. Jesus was weary. He was worn out. Sixth hour is midday. He was tired. He was hungry. It was a long day. Okay? And he sat down, which means he was exhausted. Are you with me? It wasn't something that, it was real. That's the best way I can put it. He had a genuine physiological need. He needed food. He needed rest. He needed water. Praise God. And because of this, the disciples were sent to go and buy him food. While they went to buy him food, a woman came to fetch water and Jesus said to this woman, give me water. When Jesus said to the woman, give me water, he was not pretending. He was thirsty. Do we agree? Jesus, being wearied from the journey, sat down, mid out. Jesus would have gone with his disciples to get the food if he was strong enough. He was famished. He was that tired. This is very important. And then a woman came. So I can satisfy my thirst now. So he asked her for water. But instead of this woman giving Jesus water, you see how the conversation started going. The woman went, you know, uh, uh, religious and uh, cultural. How is it that you, being a Jew, you know, asked me for water? So Jesus had to address that matter because the moment the woman asked that question, it was necessary to help understand something. And uh, if you miss Sunday school, please, if you're a member of the Father's Church, Sunday school is an essential part of God's diet for us. Praise God. You must make effort to meet it. It's not too much for you. Sunday school this morning, we looked at offering. Okay? Now, anytime God says to his creation, give me, God is omni everything. So he cannot have a need, really. So anytime God says to his creation, give me something, it is the creation that has a need. I don't know if I'm communicating. God has no need. That's why Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, who says to you. So the person who is saying to you, give me, is not a normal man. He's your creator. The truth is this, you know, speaking about it in quantity now, speaking about it in mathematics, you can give to God. Because giving implies it goes from you. Because anytime something goes from you to God, you get more. So we are always in a position of receiving from God. So he said to her, if you knew who it was, if you knew who was talking to you, you would say to him, give. Because you can give to him. He's almighty. Praise God. Okay, so that, that is just a follow-up from some of the things we learned at the uh, Sunday school this month. So, Jesus asked the woman for a drink. 
This woman needed something. She had a problem, which we all know. As the conversation went on, we're going to see what her problem was. She had a problem, and Jesus had already desired, I will solve this woman's problem today. But this was a route that went. So when she said, how can you ask me for a drink? Jesus said, this is what it is. The woman said to Jesus in verse 11, now still not knowing who it was she was dealing with. How can you give me water? You don't have anything to draw. The well is deep. Are you greater than our father Abraham? This and this. And Jesus in verse 13 took the woman off and said again, listen, madam, the drink I'm talking about to you today is not the type of drink that they fetch from this well. The drink I'm talking about is a drink that if a man drinks, he will what? He will thirst no more. How many of us want that drink? That is the drink that is drink. Praise God. The drink that I drink and then I need to drink again. That's not drink, okay? Now, what drink was Jesus talking about here? Come with me to John 7, verse 37, 38, and 39. We see what happened there. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to the well. Is that what he said? No. He said, let him come to me and drink. Verse 38, 39, please. He said, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So Jesus was talking about the well of who he was. Now, 39, they gave us what he was talking about in plain English. But this he spoke concerning what? The spirit whom those believing in him will receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given them because Jesus was not yet glorified. So when Jesus was talking to this woman, he was saying to her, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And when you have the Holy Spirit, all the other things in your life are going to find satisfaction. Somebody say amen. Amen. So the woman said, okay, you know, I like this woman. She's business minded. Okay, no need for argument. Sir, give me this water that I may not what? Thirst. But look at the limit of our understanding. Now come here to draw. 16, Jesus now said, okay, let me tell you who I am. Jesus said to her, go call your husband. And what did she say? She said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have spoken the truth. Praise the Lord. And I don't know, do you agree that somebody who has had five husbands and is proofreading the sixth one has no husband? It should be which of them do you want me to call? Isn't it? Oga, you have, um, you have three phones. I say, give me your phone. You say, I have no phone. But you've had three, and then there is one you have with you. Is it not a lie? So, how come Jesus said to her, you have spoken the truth? Can anybody tell me why? Jesus said, you have spoken the truth. When she has five points, something number of husbands. We can't say six. That one hasn't been approved. Why would Jesus, the truth, say to this woman, you have spoken the truth when she has had five plus, five point something? Simple. Okay? It's not how much money you have. It's whether you're satisfied with what you have. Somebody can have 10,000 and not steal another person's 5,000. Another person can have 5 billion and steal another person's 10,000. The two of them, the person that has 10,000 is rich. The person that has 5 million is poor. Proof 
of ownership is satisfaction. So when the woman said, I have no husband, Jesus said, you have spoken the truth because husband cannot satisfy you. Praise God. She had more than enough, but she was not satisfied. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes 5, 5, uh, 10. He said, he that loves silver will never be satisfied with silver. Nor he who loves abundance will increase. This is vanity. Can you give us give that, us in that easy, in, to, read easy to read version? The reason people don't give is because they are poor. And that poverty is not poverty of quantity. It's poverty of quality. Praise the Lord. Let's read. What does it say? Those who will never be what? Do you understand it? You just need to get this. Whatever that you have now, that you can look at yourself and say, God has blessed me in this area. I'm satisfied. You don't have. Satisfaction. Satiation is proof of ownership. It's proof that you have had it. Are you with me? Don't look at somebody and think this person's life is better than you because of the quantity of what you see around the person. Just like this woman now. Imagine the women in her neighborhood. They'll be saying, can you imagine? She has had five husbands and another one is going for her. Whereas where she is, when you ask her, she says, I've not found any. Are you getting what I'm saying? This life is deep. Do you know that most armed robbers, when they catch them, they will tell the police that this one was their last one. You know, God is merciful. Do you know God is merciful? Let's forget I'm robber. The adulterers and fornicators, the one that they'll put on social media with you naked, before that one, you have said this one is final. But you went again. You went again. You went again. Because that hunger is not normal. May the Lord deliver us. May the Lord help us. In the name of Jesus Christ. Anyway, so that was the way the Lord, because I said, Lord, how can this be true? He says she doesn't have. She spoke truly. She doesn't have. You know, it, it's been said that it's not people that have that help the weak or the poor or, you know, that give. It's not. It doesn't follow. It's the contentment, the fulfillment, the satisfaction, the revelation. Just like Sunday school today. It's knowing that God gave me this and God has need of it. It solves the matter. But when you stole it, how will you give it to God? You even want to steal more from God if you find an opportunity. Praise God. Let's move on. Okay. Anyway, so thank you, Holy Spirit. Very important point that we shouldn't miss. Verse 19 here. Read it for me, everybody. The woman said to him, Sir, what? I perceive that word. I want to ask another question. Okay. Why did she perceive Jesus was a prophet at this point? What made her perceive? That Jesus was a prophet. Because what? Jesus had penetrated the depth of her hunger. Now, let me tell you something. When you go and a man is always prophesying to you breakthrough. Prophesying to you billions coming. Prophesying to you. We can call him an encourager. Eh? He helps you to keep going forward. Okay? But if you encounter a prophet, the Bible says the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. 
is alive and quick, dividing between what? Soul and spirit. Thoughts and intents of the heart. When you encounter a genuine prophet, it will be as if he went home with you. Why is this man talking like this? Who told him what I was thinking? Why is he talking like this? Who told him what I was planning? I was planning that after this service, I'll go and deal with that. Why did this man speak like this? You have encountered a prophet. A prophet is not the one who waters your greed. That's what most people do. You know, who makes you want to just go and get something? Whether it's God's will or not. That's not a prophet. But they're on high demand now because people don't really want God. They want what they want. And the business people are giving them what they want. So I prophesy to you. You attend a service and the whole service that telling you you're going to be better, better, better. You're going to get this. You're going to get this. If you came here with Keke, you will go with uh, Kia. If you came with Kia, you will go with Mercedes. If you came with Mercedes, you will go with uh, G-Wagon. If you came with G-Wagon, it's helicopter. So the thieves will go and thieve more. Everybody will be graduating in whatever they came with. The presence of a prophet brings discernment. It brings conviction. It brings illumination. It accurately positions you where you are. When you enter an address in GPS that you want to go to a location, what is the first thing the address will show you? Your present location. If it doesn't show your present location, it cannot take you to where you want to go. So how can somebody be prophesying to you great when he hasn't told you where you're going to start from? On the car, you put your wife's hand, uh, neck under your hand and warned her. Then you park in church and they prophesy to you. First of all, they should prophesy to you that the, your father-in-law, God, will beat you well. Praise the Lord. How many of us know that our wives are God's daughters? Women, how many of you know that your husbands are God's sons? Uh, you don't want to hear that one. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Okay, so they got into a discourse. We, we leave that one for now. You know, let's get straight to where I want us to focus on this morning. 31. In the meantime, the Bible says his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Rabbi, eat. You were very hungry. You couldn't continue with us. Rabbi, eat. And what happened? He said to them, I have food to eat of which what? You do not know. 33, they said, I love the way the Bible gives us accounts so that we don't miss up anything. 33, they said, okay. They asked one another, did any other person bring him food? Which meant that they knew that this man needed to eat. So how can you all of a sudden not want the food? Who has given you food? And he told them, there's food I have to eat that what? You don't know. Say to yourself from today, I will have food that nobody will know I have. Yes, because that's where you have to get to as a Christian. There's the safe place we have to get to. Because the world we're in now, all kinds of things are going to be happening. But the people who have come to this understanding that their physiological needs, their temporal needs must have a place where it comes and it stops and gives way to the need that is superior to that. You see, what happened to Jesus was this. He was hungry, yes. He was thirsty, yes. He was weary. And that was Jesus, the man's need. Are you with me? But along the line, Jesus, the man, encounters somebody who had Jesus, the son of God's need. And the moment he started meeting 
and attending to that Jesus, the son of God's need. All of a sudden, he got into a place where he was so full that he could not eat anymore. Brothers and sisters, I want to ask you, have you had days that out of excitement, you forgot you had not eaten? Let me ask you another one. Have you also had days that out of sadness, you also forgot eating? Can I prove to you that the things that you think are issues are not so much issues? It's because your mind is not focused on some other things more serious. So when something more serious comes up, whether it is the positive or the negative, you find that the physiological, the basic thing, you don't care about them anymore. Am I right? You can live your life where you're attuned to those things that are so high that you actually have to come down and know what you're wearing. You have to come down and know the car you're driving. You have to come down and know the house you live in. But in your spirit, you're so advanced in the place of fellowship. The Bible says that we should be mindful of heavenly things. Now, a woman was here in need of an encounter with the Lord Jesus was here hungry for his belly. And the Bible says, food for the belly and the belly for food. And my gosh, I would destroy both. If the belly eats and is satisfied, and this woman does not encounter salvation, not just belly will be destroyed, but a soul made in the image of God will be destroyed. So when that moment came up, Jesus took the belly and kept it aside and started feeding the matter of the soul. Now, in the process of feeding the matter of the soul, his belly became satisfied. That's where I'm going to. Because if I ask you a question, I need someone to help me answer this question quickly. Don't be too spiritual. What are the things you love? Pastor Chris, what are the things you love? Okay, Joe, Denibo, you're here. You know I love you. Joe, you love football because the only things I see you post is football, right? Okay, thank you. Sit down. Any other person that loves something else? Sorry? Cars. Pounds. Okay, thank you. A little child. Yes, somebody says ice cream, right? Okay, I want to ask you a question quickly, please. Why do you say you love those things? Do you know why you say you love them? Because you enjoy them. Am I right? So love and enjoy, they go together. So if I say I love football, it's because I enjoy watching football. Now, when I enjoy watching football, what does that enjoyment do? It brings satisfaction to me, okay? So, I would spend my hard-earned money to go. I don't understand how people, even as a, a, a very little child, my brothers will go to the stadium. I don't understand how somebody can go to stadium to watch something you can watch on the screen. You've not loved it. Those who love it, they will go from here to Quara. The people used to go from Enugude to, to watch ISCC, you know, and I didn't understand it. But they love it. Now, what is it? Is it when you love, you enjoy. When you enjoy, it gives you satisfaction. Now, I want to tell you why. I want you to understand something today. Now, I want you to understand why the greatest commandment is that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind. You know why? It's simply saying, read that statement, no longer that you should love. Read it that you should enjoy the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your soul. You know why? When you get to the point of enjoying it, you will see the benefit that is in it. 
it will no longer be a struggle to you. You'll be able to say like David said, I was glad when they say, let us sweep God's house. I was glad when they say, let us go for evangelism. I was glad when they say, let us build the Lord's house. It will no longer be a commandment to you. It will be enjoyment to you. And when it becomes enjoyment to you, it brings satisfaction so that even if you don't eat, but it is done, you're full. Praise the Lord. That's it. When he saw that they were missing it, he went forward and said, my food, my meat is to do the will of him. Now, how can meat, how can food be doing will? Because it gives you enjoyment. Listen to me. I told somebody who asked me, what are the things I like? I think I like fashion. You know, I think I like us. I think I like, I like nice things. I, I don't like to see things and they're not good. You know, that's why I'm, I even hold myself. Because if not, as I'm passing, I say, this is your shirt. I just sit like this. I, I don't like things not... I like beautiful things. You can see my wife. You can see yourself. You're all looking beautiful. I like beautiful things, right? Now, the truth is this. I can look at music also. Okay, I, I don't know how to explain this. So, okay, let, let me go back to many years ago. How many of us remember when we used to go to the DJs to record music? Let me use that one. It will help us. Music. Now, as a student, if I don't have money to eat, and they say there is this Chrome. How many of us remember Chrome? Chrome's uh, cassette player. Metal. Bass. B-A-S-F. Or Maxell. And this one is now, for money of those days, maybe 300 naira. I can take my food money. And go and buy that chrome. And they record for me Spirogyra. And when I get that Spirogyra, eh, I will be playing it. Hunger will be disappearing from my stomach. Do you understand? I will play it and starve. And then I'm satisfied. Then if I see you, I'll just be smiling. You'll think I've eaten. I've not eaten. I've just listened to clear jazz on metal cassette. Do you understand? What is it? I enjoy it. So what does it do? It satisfies me. The challenge is that many Christians don't enjoy God. It's a struggle. Everything about God sounds like punishment. Everything about God. The only thing about God you enjoy is praise and worship. Because that one is not to God. You're enjoying the dancing. And that's a problem. Now, this morning, as a responsible pastor, I didn't just come to tell you what the problem is. What is the solution? Praise God. You see, if you get it right, ask my wife, and I haven't changed you, but when we met, eh, to give her money was sweet to me. I used to tell her, I said, listen, young lady, I'm rich. Ask her. She'll say she wants to go to the market. I'll count money and give her. She'll be afraid. You know, we're very young then. She'll be saying, no, I don't want. I said, take this money. This guy is rich. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yes. You know, overhead, the mom said she needed some. I bought. Do you understand? Because... Doing it was giving me pleasure. Unmarried people here, may you, sisters, may you meet rich men. See, see, see on her face. Rich in the spirit. And rich by all means. Uh-huh. Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Brothers and sisters, until, you see, God is love, right? God is wise. God is all-powerful. 
when they ask God, what is the most important thing for Deacon uh, Bison to know, to do? He said, Bison, love God. He's giving you a key. You're a technical man. If I came to your store to learn, there are basic things you tell me. Never connect this to this, right? Connect this to this. Whenever you're doing this, wear this. Isn't that what you tell me? Because it is critical to my success. I put it to you and myself as well here. That the Christian that has not come to love God with everything that he has is endangered. And the Christian that has come to love God with everything he has, has entered a place of safety. That is how come they can tell us that they put two men in prison. They beat them. Their blood was flowing. And they locked them in jail. And when they got in jail, they did not say to God, why? They did not say to God, where are you? They did not say to God, how could you allow this happen to me? Instead, while they were locked up there in prison, they began to sing to the same God that permitted them to be locked up. It is called love. Love is a wonder. Do you understand? Love is a converter. We are talking about love on Wednesday. Please, if you're in church, get the message and listen to it. It's important. You see, love, when you carry your baby and the baby wheeze or pulls, you don't drop the child. You smile. Ah, he has weed. He has pulled. Isn't it? When you feed the child and the child has finished eating the food you bought with your hard-earned money and you carry the child and you're rocking and the child bobs and part of the food stains your cloth, you're happy. Ah, the food has digested. You're not complaining that he has stained your cloth. Why? Because you love that child. The problem we have is a love problem. And the danger about it is this. We have mastered loving every other thing. We love so many other things. We can enjoy so many other things. You and I may have seen the picture where they showed a, a match that was being played. I think it must have been somewhere in Canada. And these people were out in the freezing weather. They were watching a hockey match. And it was freezing. They were all in the open. If it so much as rains, half of us won't come to church. What is the issue? It's love. What is the victory? It's love. Sir, how can my life you know, grow exponentially. It's your love. If you transform your love, your life will transform. Let me ask another question here. How many of us did so well in some subjects in school? You excelled in those subjects, courses or whatever. Those subjects, what was it about them? You just loved the lecture. You loved it. The assignment in that thing was a delight to you. Attending the lectures was a delight to you. Everything about it was a delight to you. You just enjoyed it. So the process of enjoyment brought result automatically. You know, even in God's wisdom. Do you know if God didn't make bringing birthing children into the world a result of enjoyment, the population would have died out. Many of us would not have been here. It's enjoyment that mistakenly made us to drop. <laughs> okay, let's leave that matter. People of God, you see, hallelujah. Jesus said, I'm full. I don't want food again. What did he eat? What am I saying, sir? I'm a, what am I saying to the young lady? If that man who is coming to marry you does not have naira and kobo and dollars and pounds, but there's a sweetness about his presence. Do you understand? You feel a sense of security when you're around him. 
that's more powerful than naira and cobalt you know because that is what is going to allow you and enable you to submit to him and carry him and support him as he pursues god's destiny you are not a consumer you are a help meet so the key to check when you're looking for a man who is coming to marry is this a man that i can love is this a man that i will enjoy serving you know there's this move now that is trying to teach women not to submit and serve their husbands it's a problem because if you love somebody you will serve the person the reason you don't want to submit to your husband is that you don't really love him because if you really love him you don't mind kneeling down to give him water to drink what's the big deal it's the one i love you kneel down people died watching football didn't they die those people what killed them is love why because we are passionate about it so when the bible says in matthew 22 35 26 now testing him say teacher which is the great commandment in the lord jesus said to him you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind okay he said this is the first and great commandment 39 and 40 and the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself okay he says on these two commandments hang what all the law what's he saying he said if you get these two right you get everything now do you know how sweet life can be to you as an individual here as a person let me give you a simple illustration if every time you come to church you see pastor livingstone and you just enjoy his well-being you just look at him and say you're looking sharp today you look at this other brother i say you're looking fresh today do you know what is going to happen to you you'll just be satisfied but the converse also when you come and the sister passes you and i don't know why god is blessing her what is happening is that you're on the reverse eh? and the little that you have will be going do you understand god says enjoy the lord your god with all your heart with us he said also enjoy your neighbor and when we say enjoy your neighbor we're talking to normal people right so we're saying enjoy the good things you see in him enjoy him being blessed enjoy him prospering enjoy him having a testimony enjoy him you know enjoy whatever it is that happens to him that is good enjoy so the bible says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with that expression of love so when you get to that point in these hard times how bad can things be for me that it will be for everybody so assuming i no see food chop or my cloth i know fit change my shirt the color but i see my brother he's looking very neat and i rejoice for him do you know that automatically by that same law of satiation i've become blessed i'm feeling like i'm the one wearing that cloth why because i'm happy for the person who is wearing it that is the power of enjoyment i look at a couple working and i say oh god bless them i i feel so happy when i see them at that point what has happened is that in my account there is joy entering i look at somebody that is rising and i hear her testimony i hear his testimony i also take joy in that what is happening at that moment is that in spite of my own personal lack i'm getting a satisfaction that is beyond the galaxy do you understand what i'm saying in these times you must ask god what is the secret that is the secret he said love the lord your god enjoy him sit back and just think on the greatness of god and just think on the goodness of god and just think on the faithfulness of god when it's difficult look at your brethren and rejoice for what god is doing in their lives as you do that strength will be coming but most importantly 
When you begin to enjoy, you begin to delight to do. And that's where I'm going. Praise God. Where we delight to do his will. You know, I did mathematics in school. And for a season, I did mathematics with pain. And I did it like, you know, every other course you do. You just read. This one, they will, when they finish, they say solve problem. Why must I be solving problem? Did I create it? It's only mathematics that they say solve problem. So they just put wahala and line it up for you to start giving yourself headache. <laughs> so that was the way I saw it. I just did it, you know. Let me just get over this. Let me just get over this. But something happened. I had a shift at one point, you know. And when I started solving those problems and entering into it, I started enjoying it. Because I should now understand the tricks and all the things. That I began to enjoy it. I've told us that here. Admas textbook, for those of us who went to school in the 80s, I solved every single problem that was in it. It wasn't an assignment. It was personal. When I finished solving it, I entered jam. I was reading the question and answering without thinking. Every question I was reading, I knew the answer. When I started looking for jobs in, in banks those days, when they give up teaching tests and say three hours, I finish in one hour because the whole processes were already in my head. At that time, I started enjoying it. What I'm saying to you now is that you can get to where you enjoy reading your Bible. That's where I'm going. You can get to where you enjoy coming to church. Listen, that habit of being dragged away from God's presence is an affliction, is a symptom of a serious disease. It's lack of love for God. And the first and great commandments is that thou, help me tell your neighbor, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. In other words, tell another neighbor, in other words, thou shalt enjoy. Yes, thou shalt enjoy the Lord your God. Sir, my brothers and sisters, if you're not enjoying God, you're in danger. That's what I came to say to us. Because how we thank God they found food for Jesus. What if they came back and said the price of food has gone up like the price of cement in Nigeria? And they didn't find food. Will our master have died of hunger? But what saved him? He ate something else. Until you come to the level where something else can satisfy you. Something bigger. Something higher. Is somebody hearing me? Because that's what is guaranteed. We're citizens of heaven. You know, the teaching that makes us imagine that God is going to be here, you know, giving us food like, you know, chicks that the mother hen is, is just giving. No, God is going to satisfy you by you lifting your eyes. The psalmist said, I lift up my eyes beyond the hills. From whence what? comes my help my help comes from the lord who made safety for the believer is that you're going to be looking at home looking unto jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who what for the joy he was looking at something else if you overthink and over concern yourself with the things around you i guarantee you you won't be happy but if you sit down and say what did they say how did they say this thing will work you're going to see that ah there's a will so I cannot have the day go well for me. But I can win a soul in the process. I'm coming out from the ministry. They didn't pay me. But I meet the gate man. Or I meet somebody coming in. And I speak to him about Christ. Or speak to her about Christ. 
and I win him to Christ. I can go home jumping and leaping. The contract was not signed, but I have won a soul. And I'm joined the party in heaven because the Bible says there is rejoicing in heaven over what? Over one soul that repents. So I can leave the sad party here, the pity party on earth, and join the celebration party in heaven. Why? Because I love the work of God. I love my God. Sad as the calling. Husband, wife, is not by holding your husband to the neck. The man no get money, no get money. That will not help. Fall on your knees. Worship the Lord. Enter into his presence. Enjoy the beauty of the Lord. Sing songs to the Lord. Just occupy yourself. And all of a sudden, what you find is that in his presence, troubles vanish. Hearts are mended. You know, this is what it is. Now, because of time, I'm just going to introduce you because I asked the Lord. I asked, I said, please, how can a man change what he loves? How many have been asking that? Because based on this message now, a lot of us, we are condemned. Because what we love is bad. I was telling my wife, you know, recently, I said... I added some weight recently. I said, I've been wanting to lose weight, but I can't refuse meat pie. If meat pie comes by me, I'm like Wabali, I catch it. <laughs> Do you understand? Puff, puff. You know, not as if I even eat serious food. People should pray for me. You know, I can refuse rice, I can refuse all those ones. But meat pie, you know. So, how does a man? change what he loves because some of us there what we love is dangerous some of us love to be big man you just love to be respected if you remain in that place the devil will lock you up you just have to love one thing love the lord your god that's all praise the lord it doesn't matter what you call me it doesn't matter whether you will recognize me i come into a place and then they don't recognize you you lose focus the whole service you don't hear again because you came in as a pastor and they sat here at the seventh row as a big man and nobody honored you. You miss the visitation of the Lord. Just love the Lord. Just come into a place and you see people praising. Just love the fact that you're in the God's presence and the people of God are praising God. Enter into that joy. Look around you. See your brother that is walking in the faith. Be encouraged. Do you understand what I'm saying? So how can a man change what he loves? How can the soccer lovers love God more? You know, do we ask ourselves questions? Because sometimes I have to say to myself, I have to say, do I really love god more than so and so and so it's a question you have to ask yourself so i started asking the lord how do we do this thing in fact the first thing i heard is deliverance so today we're going to do deliverance how many are ready for deliverance how many want to be delivered okay not all of us that makes it easier i don't know whether we're going to lay hands to do but it's going to be deliverance you know what it's a big problem sir it's a big problem this love matter is a big problem because once the service is over and you get out, you're going to go in the direction of what you love. If it turns this way, you start going. Any direction it calls you. And then, no matter what we say about Wednesday, even on that Wednesday, you see the time. The Holy Spirit will tell you, okay, it's four. Start rounding up so you can go to church. What you love will pull you. If it's sitting down, if it's whatever it is, it's going to pull you. But when you get to the place where, like David, you will say, I was glad when they said to me, it wasn't I was compelled. They made a suggestion, let us go. He said, come on, let's do that. Praise the Lord. In his deliverance, I need the deliverance. In several, you need the deliverance, okay? So that was the first one that came to me. But, but I pro for that. Do you have time? Let me show you a scripture today. I pro for that. And the Lord said to me, in Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, the Bible says, do not be drunk with wine. 
in which is dissipation. Now, thank God I was delivered from drunk, you know, drunkenness, drunkardness as an unbeliever. Okay. But do I have a, a former drunk here? I want you to consult for me today. Okay, we have no former drunks in the Father's church. Hallelujah. <laughs> I said former, I didn't say practicing. Okay. Yes, I like you. Come, come, let them see you. Come, come quickly. Because those teeth that are off, they might have been a result of your blessing. Let's clap for him. Okay. Is your wife here? What's your name, sir? Okay, Chuku. Okay, God bless you. Now, in those days, eh, before you get high, eh, and after you get high, do you behave the same way? So, before you get high, if somebody says, okay, Chuku, why did you do this? You say, I'm sorry. So, those days, when you get high, and something happens to Kechuku, how does he respond? Does he respond the way Kechuku will normally respond? How does he respond? What did you used to drink? Which one? Um, that's Ogogoro. Kai mm. Kai. Okay. So, when the thing chuck your head like this, chuck, eh? And madame says, why did you come back? What did you bring? What answer will you give her? Give me a chance. Make I. <laughs> okay. What I want you to get is this. When a man is sober, he behaves like he wants to behave. When a man is drunk with wine, he behaves like the wine wants him to behave. Thank you very much. Let's clap for him. Now, the scripture we read said, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. It said, but be filled what? With the Holy Ghost. Continue. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, what happens? It says, speaking to what? How? With psalms and hymns and what? Singing and what? Do you see complaining there? Do you see murmuring there? The reason you're murmuring is that you have not drunk well of the Holy Ghost. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, there will be no murmuring in you. What will be coming out from your mouth will be songs, hymns. There will be a high. There will be an assurance that it is well. There will be an assurance that whatever it is that is happening, God has it in control. Is somebody listening to me? So it's a question of dosage. He said, let them be dosed with the Holy Ghost. And their love will change. Is somebody getting me? But because of somebody who will not come for midweek, I wanted to leave this for midweek, but I show you this so that we get it before we go. Come with me to, to First Samuel. I'm going to show you an account, and then we'll pray. I trust that there will be change in someone's life today in the name of Jesus. In First Samuel 19, the Bible says, from which verse do I want to put to now? Okay. Or let me read from 10. It says, Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with a spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence, and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. Okay, Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you'll be killed. Okay? Essentially, what is happening here is that Saul wants to kill David. So 18, the Bible says, So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Naioth. Verse 19. Now it was told Saul, saying, 
Take note, David is at Nioth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David, to kill David. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as lead over them, what happened? The Spirit of God came upon the death messengers of Saul. And what did they begin to do? Did they kill anybody? Did they arrest anybody? Ah, the anointing can arrest Mopolo. 21. When Saul was told that his first batch didn't succeed, he sent other messengers. <laughs> when they got to the same place, what happened to them? They prophesied likewise. Okay? Saul said, these men are foolish. He sent the third batch of soldiers. And they did what? Okay, now, 22. Saul said, these people are joking with me. Let me go and do that job myself. Are you there? Let's read. Everybody. Then he, this is Saul also, went to Ramah and came to the great where that is a circle. So he asked and said, where are Samuel and David? Still with his, you know, assassination mentality. And someone said, indeed, they are now in Ramah. Okay, 23. Let's read together. So I want to hear, yes, I want to hear your voice. So he went in Ramah. The Spirit of God was upon who? Saul also. And then what happened? What did he come to do? What did he begin to do? What happened? Rise on your feet. It didn't stop there. Look at 24 and see the type of prophesy he did. What happened? <laughs> Others were prophesying with their clothes on. When he came on Saul, <laughs> God can change you. I say God wants to change you. God wants to change me. Hallelujah. So how are we going to do this? I can't lay hands on everybody. But we're going to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Let the anointing fall. I wear, wear the musicians. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. We need the anointing. Saul came with an intent to murder. But he began to prophesy. He began to sing songs. He began to declare the faithfulness of God. He began to declare the holiness of God. I want God to transform me. I want God to change what I love. I want to begin to love the things I ought to love. The things that make for heaven. The things that make for glory. The things that make for honor. The things that make for immortality. The things that are glorious. The things that are powerful. I want to love to see my wife happy. I want to love to see my husband happy. I want to love to see my brethren happy. Part of the scripture that we didn't dwell on was that the father is seeking such. I want to love to be that man that when the father looks from above, he will see me and stop seeking. For the Bible says the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro. I want him to stop at me and and look at me and say I'm not looking anywhere this boy is making me happy this girl is making me happy instead of bringing sadness Lord I want to love what will make you happy I want you to begin to pray Lord anoint me Lord anoint me break that yoke fill me with your spirit take away every foolish desire take it away purge me of foolishness purge me of unholy love 
purge me of everything that does not bring honor. What are the things that I enjoy that are not leading to life? The Bible says, he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. Lord, I want to cease to sow to my flesh. I don't want this man to love the things of the flesh. Give me, O oh Lord, a desire. Set me free, Lord. Pour out your spirit upon Ikena. Pour out your spirit upon the Father's church. Let us burn with the things that you want us to burn with. Give us the right desire. Lord, do a converting work in me. Do a converting work in my brother. Do a converting work in my sister. If Saul can change from mother to being a prophet, Lord, you can change the fornicator. You can change the adulterer. You can change the thief. You can change the wicked. You can even take the fearful from being fearful to become bold lord help us your church i need somebody please pastors can you hold the mic let us pray in the holy ghost we need help i don't know about you but those who need help if you don't need help you might as well just go i'm done but what i'm saying is that a man must change we can change how can my love change how can i just love to see the lord's will prosper how can my meat become that which gives the Lord pleasure. Hell Lord, help me. Masia kaposhe gadada. Legodo jegedede bosanda. Bakoshe kata. Mando logododo. Help me. By the anointing, Jesus breaks the yoke. By the Holy Ghost, as the prophet said it should be. Lord, I need that anointing. Change this boy. Change this man. Change this woman. Change me, Lord. Let me wake up and look at myself and see that I'm loving something else. I'm not loving what I used to love. I'm not enjoying what I used to enjoy. Set me on fire, Lord. Let us pray. Let us pray. Lord, fill us, fill us, Lord. Feel us, O Lord. Feel us, O Lord. Change my love. Change what I love. Change what I desire. Change what I enjoy. By the Holy Ghost. By the Holy Ghost. Change what I desire. In the name of Jesus. You know, please, this is serious. And I have faith that somebody's life will be transformed today. Psalm 11937. Um, we, we just need you to play... Um, uh, is it by the anointing Jesus breaks the yoke but put, put Psalm 11937 what does it say it says what turn away my eyes from what and revive me can you give us the message translation it says divert my eyes from toys and trinkets invigorate me on the pilgrim way you need hands to be laid on you. you can come 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 let's pray please ministers of the gospel you carry the holy ghost you carry the holy ghost you carry the holy ghost a fresh baptism of the holy ghost as you're coming be praying i'm joining my faith with your faith that the fire will fall 
and you become a new man you become a new woman you become a new person let the fire fall raka posakata pray kala gododo logododo jegerede bunda jegalagerede bunda lagerede bosanda bundo my, what am I looking for? Revive me, revive me, revive me, Lord. Change what I love, change what I enjoy, change what I fear. Lord, revive me. Lord, set this man on fire. Consume me with your fire. Lord, break that hold. I want to love what you love. Lord, set my heart on fire. Raka kotodo logododo. If you're here, be praying, be praying, be praying. I'm just joining my faith. Let the desire, the promise of the Lord is that He will pour water on thirsty ground. Lord, this is me. Change me. Raka lagododo. Thank you, Lord. I agree with you. Let the fire fall. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, can you please put Romans 5, verse 5 for us? Let's see it in King James and then we, we move to message. It says, Now hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. Okay, now what is happening or what we need to happen is that the holy ghost will fill that place occupy that post when he occupies that post no rival throne will survive you will not love any other thing more than you love god you will enjoy god okay now that scripture says something very important it says the love of god is shed abroad or fills our hearts by the holy ghost now look at message there. Message helps us understand. Let's read it together. It says, in our large expectancy such as this, we are never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. Now, this is where we're going. It says, we can't round up what? Enough. The point I want you to see there is that the Holy Spirit comes into containers. The reason I'm loving the wrong thing is that my container is filled with the wrong thing. But when my container is made free, and the Holy Ghost will not strive. So for those coming out here, they're saying they want more. They want a change. They want an emptying and the refilling. So it's important as you come in here to be praying for yourself. I don't know what it is that is occupying. But I know the Holy Ghost wants to flood your life. I know the Holy Ghost wants to flood your life. So can we continue? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Fill him up. Fill him up. Fill him up. Take the place, Lord. Take the place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. We are making progress. I am changing. I am being changed from the inside. In the name of Jesus. Okay, the first part we have done, the second part we are going to do now. First part is the Holy Ghost, the anointing. The second part, Mark 11. I won't read the whole passage. Jesus speaking to them says, For assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea. He says, He shall have what he says. 
You're going to speak under this anointing now. I will love the Lord. You know what is contending. Give it quick notice. Every other love. Every other love. Give it quick notice. No longer. I will no longer make room for A, B, C, D in my heart. No, 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 no. I'm sold out. I will not respond anymore. I will not respond to you anymore. I will not desire you anymore. I will not long for you anymore. I will not be captivated. He said to me, tell them what captivates them, captures them. Ah, kasoka sheka da da da. You need to open up your mouth. No more. No more. Even somebody listening to me, the spirit of fear is gone now. You cannot be controlled with fear. Fear of anything. Fear of anything. Fear of sickness. Fear of death. Fear of lack. Fear of accident. No more. Fear of kidnap. Say it. Under this anointing. Under this anointing. And you shall have what you say. No more. No more. I'm in love with Jesus. I'm occupied with Jesus. I long for him. My meat is to do the will of him who sent me. And to finish it. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It will not be defiled. God says anybody who defiles this body. He says I will judge. This body I will not defile it. And nobody will defile my body. My eyes are holy. My ears are holy. My feet are holy. My hands are holy. They belong to the Lord alone. I will serve him and him alone. I will find joy in the presence of my God. I will love to be in God's house. I will not take anything. I will not abide with anything. Oh, shake The Bible says evil company corrupts good manners. I will not keep company with some persons again. I am holy. I said to that mountain, move out of my way. I am falling in love with my Lord. I am falling in love with my Jesus. Afresh like never before. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. I give you the praise. Come on, begin to thank him because you're blessed. Because you're blessed. Because you're blessed. Thank you, Lord. It's a new day. Some of you are going to experience some tremendous, tremendous turnarounds because your love has changed. Mercy is coming. Goodness is coming. Joy is coming. Lifting is coming. Peace is coming. Stability is coming. Answer to prayers. Ah, Lord, thank you. We give you the praise. Blessed be your name, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we have prayed. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www 
www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.